Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Roger, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at texasfootball.com. Follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Campbells. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Make sure, if you're not already, to become a subscriber at texasfootball.com slash subscribe. All right. It's just me in here for now, uh, but we're just kind of getting started right now. Uh, Ish is out today. Um, we do have a special guest coming up later in the show to talk about our picks and help us pick. We've got Matt Wilson from Arlington Convention and Visitors Bureau. He's going to help us pick the games and also tell us all the great things that you can do in Arlington if you are a Texas A&M fan heading there for your matchup with Arkansas. We've talked a lot about Deer King over the last couple of days and for good reason. And and actually, if you want to hear more about it and hear me and Ish talk about it, uh, you can actually go to TexasFootball.com and we have a premium podcast up our first premium podcast for subscribers and insiders only, right? And we go in-depth, we talk about it, we kind of talk about what we're hearing so far on the Derek King front. Uh, a lot of it was very instant reaction just because we actually started recording almost immediately after that news broke. Joseph Duarte, the great beat writer over at the Houston Chronicle, getting right, right on top of that. At this point, though, the latest news is that Derek King does plan to stay um, you know, he's been pretty adamant, actually, that not only is he going to stay, but he never thought about leaving, and he wants to be there for his teammates next year. Uh, and more, bound, more power to him if that is the case. Uh, you know, he has a lot of time to make a decision, and I think it's smart to not burn any bridges with the school right now. Uh, it does make for an interesting situation, though. You know, I think that if he does come back, this is kind of an unprecedented thing right I mean we've never truly seen a player kind of step away from his team and say this year's kind of going to be a wash and they're pretty particular at at, uh, Houston Dana Holgerson said we are not punting away this season we are going to be there we are going to compete in every single game we're going to try to get better Um, and only a few coaches really could I guess uh get away with what Holgerson's letting Derek King do right now. You know, a lot of them would be a lot more petty and kind of say, get out of here. But Dana Holgerson knows, you know, Derek King wants to have a good senior season. And after starting one and three, this is probably not going to be it. They have a lot of transfers coming in who will be eligible in 2020. They bring back a lot of production that will still be around in 2020. There's, you know, I think it's really interesting. I think it's kind of a unique situation where you're redshirting your best player and kind of punting until next season because, I mean, there are years where you wonder if they had, if they do that, if they had done that, you know, how, what would these teams look like? <laughs> but I do think it's going to be interesting to see how college football responds to it. Um, obviously, the concern for Houston is Derek King can leave. He's going to graduate and he will have the ability to grad transfer if he so decides. And we have heard that there are pretty good options out there for him if he does ultimately decide that he wants to transfer. A lot of uh, moving pieces, of course, when it comes to this Derek King case. But for now, Clayton Toon will be the starting quarterback. Uh, He will, as far as we know, start out the rest of the season. He will start this week against North Texas uh, in Denton. This is a game that I'm going to be at. A couple people from our office are going to be at. And uh, it's not quite the, the, the exciting number one versus number two group of five quarterback in the state that maybe we thought it was going to be, you know, with Mason Fine going against Derek King. But 
I think we'll still learn a lot about both these teams. We'll learn a lot about how motivated Houston's going to be. And I think uh, it's going to be fun to watch. I mean, we haven't seen North Texas kind of get to turn it on against a team that's really close to their level so far this season because they've played against Cal and they've played against SMU. So I think it's going to be nice for them to get to play against a team like Houston who's kind of in a tough spot and is trying to figure themselves out. Because I think that on both sides, I think uh, both teams are going to be very motivated to have a really good game. The other big news that's coming around the state comes at the University of Texas. Texas safety Caden Stearns and also cornerback Jalen Green will miss probably about the next four weeks with various injuries. Uh, Now, that four-week mark means that they will be out most likely on October 12th. October 12th is Red River. So on October 12th, Texas will be without Caden Stearns and Jalen Green as they face off against the Oklahoma Sooners in arguably the biggest game of the season. And on top of that, uh, B.J. Foster expected to be back, but also got a little banged up against Oklahoma State. Uh, Reserve Josh Thompson, who has played some nickel for them, he will miss significant time with a broken foot. All of a sudden, this secondary that was young but was considered to be one of the strengths of Texas's roster, that depth is going to be tested immediately. You know, in in a lot of ways, when Texas recruited this 2018 uh, recruiting class, it was one of the best defensive back recruiting classes that we've ever seen, right? I mean, you look at those top names, Caden Stearns, BJ Foster, Jalen Green, Marvin Overshone, uh, Anthony Cook is a guy who we haven't even mentioned as yet, Deshaun Jameson. Deshaun Jameson's a guy who actually stepped into the starting lineup last week to start alongside uh, Jalen Green in place of Kobe Boyce, but now Kobe Boyce probably has to step back into that role in the starting lineup. The cornerbacks became really a flashpoint against LSU earlier this season, but they were young. I mean, I think that they showed a lot of growth against Oklahoma State. I think they did a really good job against Tylen Wallace and Spencer Sanders, two of the you know better skill position players in the Big 12, really. Uh, but now, you're going to have to go forward the next couple of weeks without them. You're going to have to rely on some backups. And this is really where the rest of the defense has to step up. You know, they've only been moderately disruptive up front. They haven't gotten insane play from their linebackers as yet. You know, they've relied a lot on Caden Stearns to make plays. But without him, this is where Brandon Jones has to step up. This is where Taquan Graham has to step up. This is where Keandre Coburn has to step up. Uh, that's what Texas is needing on defense right now because these cornerbacks... Even if they play well, they're still really young. I mean, you can't expect too, too much from them. It's just not fair to them. They're going to have to learn on the fly. They're going to have to play these tough games. They're going to have to play against Oklahoma um, and, and learn. And the other thing, too, the other thing that I think is probably the other unfortunate part of this is that even when Jalen Green comes back, he'll have missed those reps, right? He'll have missed those reps against West Virginia and Oklahoma And, you know, he'll be going into that tough stretch at the end of the year with Kansas State, Iowa State, Baylor, and Texas Tech without experience. And and maybe by that point, somebody else has stepped up. But it's a lot to put on some young kids to be able to get ready right away and and go from backup to starter. Uh, I'm very interested to see, you know, they have a bye this week. So that's the one saving grace is that they have a bye week. But I'm really curious to see after that whether they can step in and immediately be ready to play against West Virginia. And Austin Kendall, who's looked decent at times for West Virginia, uh, you know, we know, obviously, Neil Brown wants to throw the ball down the field, and they're going to be tested right away against some pretty good wide receivers. The other thing that I want to talk about before we get to picks, TCU sounds like they might 
open back up the quarterback thing and maybe, maybe play Michael Collins? That's what the word was from TCU camp. Now, I don't know if I necessarily believe it. I think that Max Duggan is still going to be their guy heading forward. But, I mean, you know how Gary Patterson can get after a loss. You know, he seems to want to put this on the quarterback play. And fairly so in some ways. I mean, through three quarters, his quarterback had 70 yards passing. And through a half, he had one completion. And that's obviously not going to do it. And the big thing with Michael Collins is that he has showed the ability to throw the ball. He has showed that he has some mastery of the offense. Um, You know, because when they lost those games last year, it's not like that was Michael Collins' fault. And you hope that, you know, bringing in a guy like Collins would be able to kind of stabilize things a little bit. And again, none of this might happen, right? I mean, he's missed a lot of reps during camp. Um, You know, he's only been back healthy for a little while. But... It is kind of interesting to see that uh, that Gary Patterson seems to want to kind of get a little bit more involved on offense because that does always sort of seem to mean that he doesn't totally trust what's going on there. You know, earlier in this year, uh, he said, Sonny Cumbie got the choice at quarterback last year. This year, it's my choice. And that guy was Alex Delton because he doesn't want there to be mistakes. He wants to have a high floor because he knows that this defense is that freaking good. Now, Will bring in a guy like Michael Collins make a difference? Will Matthew Baldwin, when he finally gets healthy, make a difference? Who knows? I mean, it might just turn out that the smartest thing to do is to go with Max Duggan, the one guy who's really kind of been there through the whole process, and just lean on him for the rest of the year. That Maybe that's just the smartest thing to do, but it does sound like TCU is not exactly sold on what they've got. And look, I mean, this might be the last year you get of Jalen Rager. This is definitely going to be the last year that you get of Darius Anderson uh, at Lucas Nianga, obviously another guy who's going to be gone probably after this year. And that defense, so many guys on defense are going to be looking at the NFL after this year, including Jeff Gladney. There is motivation to try to get this figured out quickly. Now, is pulling quarterbacks left and right the, the best way to do it? I mean, I don't know. Probably not. But I do think that TCU is going to be aggressive. If their quarterback play does continue to struggle... I think that they're going to be looking at other options. Anyway, let's move on now. We've got Matt Wilson here from Arlington Conventions and Visitors Bureau. Excuse me. Basically, Matt Wilson's job is to tell us how great Arlington is, and I think he does a great job. We asked him about what to do around AT&T Stadium if you're going there on Saturday for Texas A&M versus Arkansas. We make some picks. Uh, It means that you don't have to just listen to me talk the whole time, which is obviously for everybody a good thing. Uh, So stick around, and we'll be right back. We're joined now by a very special guest to help us out with picks. We've got Matt Wilson from over at Arlington CVB. Matt, how are you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, let's go ahead and get right, right into these picks. Number one, let's start with your Texas Tech Red Raiders. They go on the road to number six, Oklahoma, 27-point underdogs. What do you think about this game? Uh... This one's going to be painful to watch. Yeah. You know, sometimes you, you, you tell yourself, I, I can't watch this, but you know you're going to watch it anyway. Uh, I'm going to watch this one anyway. I hate to say these words out of my mouth right now. Oklahoma covers. Yeah. Uh, this is going to be a, a pretty rough game for us. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's just right now you're bringing in a quarterback that you don't necessarily know what they've got, either Jackson Tyner, the, rest, the Rice, excuse me, grad transfer, or Jet Duffy, who's – been inconsistent to say the least. Um, and defensively, I think that Texas Tech has looked really good so far, yep. but very thin. Yes, and they also play against the best offense in America. <laughs> so I that's think, not a great recipe. No, no, not quite. Uh, well, 
Ish picked Oklahoma. Ish is not here with us today, by the way. Uh, he, he's out dealing with some family stuff. So, uh, But he picked Oklahoma to cover. I will also pick Oklahoma to cover. I don't think we need to say a whole lot more. No, about we that. don't. It's going to hurt too much <laughs> to keep talking about it. All right, next up, we got Kansas at TCU. TCU, a 15.5-point favorite, 11 a.m. Saturday at Amon Carter Stadium. Matt, where are you going with this game? Uh, I think TCU wins. I don't think that they cover. Okay. I can see this being a 10-point game. Uh, you know, you have a Kansas team who finally looks like they're putting some pieces together. Kansas has always had guys that look like they belong in the Big 12. Sure. It's, it's just been a matter of getting them to play to that level. Uh, TCU's a mess. Their offense is a mess. Uh, I think that everybody knows that they're missing a trigger man right now, uh, somebody who can really get the ball out and, and distributed. But TCU wins at home. Just I don't think that they cover that spread. Yeah. Well, We've seen some inconsistent signs from Kansas so far. I mean, they obviously look great against Boston College. Then they play West Virginia, who has looked inconsistent and uh, and don't look very good. Obviously, have a loss to Coastal Carolina earlier in the year as well. This is a tough one for me. I, I think it's going to end up being kind of low scoring because I think mm-hmm. TCU is going to be able to win up front. Um, but at home, coming off of a loss, uh, coming off of you know kind of a beatdown at the hands of SMU in a lot of ways. I think TCU is going to come out real motivated. Yep. Um, you know, I think that there's no way that Gary Patterson's going to let his defense get shredded two weeks in a row. And I think that TCU scores just enough points. I, I think it's going to be real close. Like, yep. I think it's going to be like a, you know, maybe a 35 to, you know, to 10 or something like that. But I do think that they're able to, uh, to get it away. Moving on. This game, I'm really intrigued by. Iowa State traveling to Baylor. Iowa State is a two and a half point favorite. 2.30 p.m. Saturday at McLean Stadium in Waco. Where are you going? I'm going Iowa State. Yeah. Uh, I'm just not a big believer in Baylor just yet. Love Charlie Brewer. Uh, love the Brewer family. As a matter of fact, great folks. I just feel like Iowa State, um, they just – and they're a great – they've been a really good road team as well. Sure. I mean, Matt Campbell has that team ready to play at all times. They're not going to beat themselves, and I know I sound like a, a coach whenever I say that. <laughs> but, the, you know, with with the exception of the Iowa game where you had, you know, a, a punt gunner run into a uh, into a punt receiver or a punt returner, Iowa State, I think, wins a, a close one on the yeah, road. Yeah, I, I think that we have some inconsistent signs so far from Iowa State because, remember, in that opener against Northern Iowa, they had to go to triple overtime yeah. just to beat Northern Iowa at home. And then they have a good game against Iowa, but like you said, you know, some mistakes down the stretch, you know, a team that doesn't Very usually beat characteristic. itself. Very yeah. Absolutely. And then last week, I mean, sure, they put up a bunch of, po- bunch of points against ULM, but it is ULM. And on the other end, Baylor obviously did not look great the whole time at Rice, but I think that Baylor comes out and wins this game. Okay. I think that in a lot of ways, Baylor has been looking for their first kind of signature win of mm-hmm. the Matt Rule era. We haven't really seen that. You know, they had a nice win over Oklahoma State last year, but Oklahoma State ended up going 6-6. Six and six. Yeah. They haven't had sort of a a welcome to the Big 12 sort of win. And Yeah, you know, when Baylor had their big win over TCU several years ago, sure. the first time you went, whoa, wait a second. Yeah. You know, this is when TCU was really at the top of the heap. 2011, Baylor, I think you're yeah, talking about, Baylor, right? Baylor comes out and, and wins that game, and everybody started taking Baylor seriously sure. after that. Under Matt Rule, they just haven't had that yet. No. Uh, and I'm not sure that even if they win this game, they would have to blow Iowa State out of the water, which yeah. I just don't see happening. Yeah, no, and I, I don't necessarily see that happening either. I don't know whether this is going to be sort of the, the welcome to the, the party sort of game. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in a lot of ways, 
I think that both of these teams have aspirations of finishing in that top three in the Big 12. Right. Um, you know, Iowa State was picked to finish third in the Big 12, and Baylor, you know, has a lot of aspirations too, and they have a very favorable schedule. Mm-hmm. But if either of these teams wants to truly compete with Texas to kind of be that number two team, number three team, they kind of have to win this game. And I think that both teams will come out motivated. And, you know, looking back at the Rice game last week, for example, too, because obviously that should be a red flag, yeah. you know, to compete like that. You know, you look at all the efficiency numbers, you look at all of the artist numbers. I mean, Baylor dominated that game in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned not beating yourself. Right. And Baylor beat themselves a lot of the time on Saturday night. That's not going to cut against Iowa State. I think they managed to fix those mistakes. I think Baylor comes away with a victory. And Ishmael also has Baylor winning this Okay. Game. <laughs> I'm Lone Ranger on this. Yes. Moving on to SMU at South Florida, 3 p.m. Saturday at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, Florida. And SMU is a seven and a half point favorite. All day. All day. All day. You go to South Florida where there's absolutely no home field advantage. Sure. You play at Raymond James Stadium. It's a cavern. It, it really is. I mean, you, you could pretty much do whatever you wanted to during the game. Nobody's going <laughs> to say anything to you because nobody's going to be there. All that being said, I'm a big believer in SMU right now. Yeah. And, and here's the reason why. Um, you know, I said this to someone earlier is that you look at what a GM does for an NFL team is they go out and through free agency, find through three free agency and the draft, you find people to fill the holes that you need to, to be competitive. Sonny Dykes has played very, very well in the grad transfer market. Definitely. You look at their defense. We saw corners last week that played one-on-one with Jalen Rager. You saw a defensive tackle who was an absolute stud during the game, a middle linebacker, a transfer from Auburn, who was all over the field creating turnovers. Um, they whipped the, the the offensive line of TCU, plain and simple. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean they just TCU could not open a hole. They couldn't protect the quarterback, and just and, and really at a lot of times with three three down linemen, you know, beating uh, TCU's uh, pass pass blocks. Just not that great. SMU looks like they have some dudes, finally. Definitely. And with Shane Bouchelle leading the way, I, I just feel like SMU has is a contender in their conference for a championship. Definitely. And I think the other thing that people may not realize, because we, we all like Charlie Strong here. You know, we all want him to be yeah. successful. They ended last season in a disastrous way. Mm. You know, I mean, they, they finished with six straight losses to end Fell last apart. season. Right, and over that stretch, now they've started losing their, both of their games against uh, FBS opponents this year. Now, it was Wisconsin, who looks amazing, and uh, Georgia Tech, who, I mean, eh. you, you wish you could have yeah. had a good performance, but, you know, whatever, things happen, um, and, and it's a Power 5 team still. So their only win since, in fact, let me look up this date, their only FBS win, or their only win, rather, since October 20th, 2018, was against an FCS team. So, and then you compare that to SMU. Started 4-0 right now. They've beat a Power 5 team in TCU. We'll see how good TCU is, but they should be better than SMU. Oh, for sure. They beat UNT, who, you know, murdered uh, UTSA last week and looks like a legit Cusa contender. Yeah. You're talking about SMU going out and beating some teams. Uh, Arkansas State, another team that's yeah. consistently a Sunbelt contender. Mm-hmm. They aren't playing nobodies. They're right. playing good teams, and they've gone out and... Since looking, not shaky necessarily, but since looking inconsistent against Arkansas State, they've really blown the doors off of everybody else. Sure. Even though the score ended up being close in that TCU game, they were the better team. 
And I think that that continues on the road against USF. I, I, I think USF, uh, or rather SMU, goes on the road, wins easily. Uh, Ish also agrees with us, so we'll take SMU minus 7.5. Speaking of Ish, moving on to his Texas State Bobcats. No line in this game against Nichols. Now, I will say, uh, ESPN's Bill Connolly puts out win projections, puts out stat projections. He, he's the—he's kind of like the Ken Palm of college football. Okay. He has this game as a 27-24 Tech State win. He thinks it's going to be close. Okay. Now, Nichols last year wins the conference, brings a lot back. This is the Southland Conference. Uh, Texas State coming off of their first home conference win since 2015. Whew. Yeah. Yeah. And— They've looked good before that, but they just had a crazy schedule, right. you know, playing the SMUs, playing the Texas A&Ms. So, what direction are you going with this one? Texas State. Uh, Nichols will school, score some points. I feel like Texas State finally might start getting a home crowd. Yeah. You know, and, and I've said this for years, and I'm sure that you would agree. You really shouldn't have to sell Texas State very hard to recruit no. or to grad transfers. Definitely. I mean, you're center of the state. It's a beautiful campus. It's a great school. Uh, Ish can pay me later for, for saying all <laughs> these things. Uh, but Texas State should be one of those schools where you see a number of great grad transfers or, you know, maybe those marginal recruits that sure. are just on the edge of being at a TCU or a Texas Tech end up there. Um, I hope for the sake of that school and for for the state of Texas that Texas State – you know, starts building a really uh, great program. And I think that they might have the right guy. Yeah. Well, I think that the biggest thing that you say is that they've kind of built a defensive culture over the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. Um, And Zach Spavadol has come in and really continued that in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. through his first four games here. Uh, And then offensively, offensively is really what it comes down to, obviously. And I don't think that Jake Spavadol is thrilled with everything he's seen so far, but Against Georgia State, you you started to see some of those offensive yeah. signs. You started to see, okay, we can run the ball now. Mm-hmm. How much does it open up everything else when you're right. not getting beaten in by SMU? Uh, and I think that matters. And now, again, okay, obviously I'm going to pick Texas State to beat Nichols. Uh, but, but I think that Texas State has an opportunity to go out there and have a really good game and potentially build some momentum yep. heading into, into Sunbelt play. Uh, shocker, Ish also takes Texas State. Wow. <laughs> All right, this is. This do, we, do, we, do we have to talk about this one? We do have to talk about this oh, one. No. I, I, I owe it to my El Paso friends. Uh, UTEP on the road at Southern Miss, 26 point underdogs, 6 p.m. Saturday at Roberts Stadium in Hattiesburg. <sighs> okay, so let me, let me say some good things about UTEP first. Okay. okay? Uh, their close game against Houston Baptist is looking better and better yeah. because Houston Baptist has now won two games, which is. Twice as many as they won last year. Right. Uh, Houston Baptist just legitimately might have a very good offense. Uh, Zach Kitley, former grad assistant at Texas Tech, leading the yeah. uh, offense for Houston Baptist. Yeah, yeah, I just absolutely. want to point that out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, Vic Shealy over there is no stranger to the fact that, you know, they wanted to bring in some tech guys. They wanted to be able to, sure. to move the ball down the field. Um, and, and the other thing, they're against Nevada last week. They showed a lot of signs. Mm-hmm. Nevada was a bowl team last year, and they brought a decent amount back. Uh, so this isn't this team isn't a nothing burger, right? And and even last year, uh, I don't I don't even remember if they played Southern Miss last year, but uh, they did. They got killed against Southern Miss last year. But in that middle stretch of the season, their defense played well enough to keep them in games. Now I think that Southern Miss this year is 
UNT's biggest competition for this, the Conference USA West title. I think that they're a even better team this year than they were last year. Mm-hmm. And obviously, UTEP has to go on the road to do it. So I think uh, I think UTEP, unfortunately, is not able to uh, to keep it close just because I think, again, this is a Southern Miss team that's really going to be angling for a title. And, I mean, you look at that 39-7 score, you, I've heard from people around the program that this team was kind of just over. You know, UTEP was yeah. just kind of done with playing football in a lot yeah. of ways by the end yeah. of last year. Um, but the issue is now Southern Miss is going to be focused, and uh, I just haven't seen enough from UTEP's offense to think they can stick around. I want UTEP to do well. Yeah. I am a West Texan through and through. Love West Texas, and I love the city of El Paso. I will go on record any time, any day, saying that El, pa- El Paso is an extremely underrated city in this great state. Um, I'm not sure how great Southern Miss is. Yeah. And so what scares me about this is a 26-point spread. Sure. For a team that really I, – I, I just – I look at a Southern Miss team, and I'm not sure that they're really – let's just put it this way. UTEP covers. Okay. All right. I'm here for it. And, I mean, you look at Southern Miss – we don't necessarily know what they are right, right now. You know, I mean, they have a nice win over Troy, but with a new coaching staff. Right. Uh, they kind of kept it a little dicey against Alcorn State. And mm-hmm. Alcorn State, pretty good uh, FCS team, but not a team that Southern Miss should be competing with. And then it's two losses to SEC teams. So we don't necessarily know what this team is right, right. now. And I think in a lot of ways we'll learn this week. So, sure. so hey, uh, and and uh, Itch takes Southern Miss in this game. Uh, again, I Trust me, all of us are rooting for UTEP to cover. Yep. All of us are rooting for UTEP to win basically every game that they play. But uh, still a little bit early on in that growing process. Okay. All right. I know you got a hot take in this one. Louisiana Tech at Rice. 6 p.m. Saturday at Rice Stadium in Houston. Louisiana Tech is a nine-point favorite. Mm-hmm. Tell me what you're going to say. Do we have, like, sirens or something like that that we can... <laughs> That, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, this is my upset special of the week. Uh, Rice at home. Not sure how great La Tech is. Rice is continuing to get better. I love their coaching staff. And if yeah. you talk with high school coaches around the state of Texas, you talk to other college uh, staffs, they love what they're doing down there. They thought that uh, um, that the, their, their choice in head coach was a great choice. I, I would love to see Rice start being you know very competitive. Definitely. And I think that this might be a good start for them. So I do think they're going to cover. I'm a little worried about them actually winning outright. I, I mean, because Louisiana Tech looked pretty Ride good. Ride the so. lightning. Come on. <laughs> Join me. They beat uh, FIU. They beat Bowling Green 35-7. to seven. Now, Bowling Green now, might Bowling not be. Bowling Green's For terrible. sure. Not very good. But to kill them like that, that's something. And on the road. Uh, now, the one thing I'll say is they kind of struggle against Grambling. And obviously, against Texas, they showed nothing. Rice is going to keep this game close. They're going to keep it interesting. And... The big thing, too, they got to be motivated right now, right? Yep. This is their first game on their level because yep. so far this season they've played Army on the road. Tough they've game. Texas at NRG, uh, Baylor at home, which they fought really freaking hard, yeah. and, uh, and Wake Forest uh, on Friday night at That's home. That's a tough slate. That is as hard a non-conference schedule as anyone, really. Yep. Not, not even just group of five, anyone. You know, you're mm-hmm. playing a top 10 team. You're playing an, a team that won 11 games last year. I mean, that's a tough slate. Now you get to play against Louisiana Tech, a team that's on your level. And they have held their own generally. Other than that Texas game, they've held their own. Uh, again, I do think Rice is going to cover, but... You're not willing to go out there on the line. I, what about Ish? Ish, unfortunately, picked Louisiana Tech to cover. 
So we're not there yet. We're not there yet. But you know what? I would love to be proven wrong. I would love to be proven wrong. But got to score more points first. Once you score more points than another team in a game, then I'm all the way on the bandwagon. Got it. This game lost a lot of luster. (laughs) Boy, did it ever. Houston at North Texas. North Texas is a seven-point favorite, 7 p.m. Saturday at Apogee Stadium in Denton. So when I'm going to be at this game, and I'm still absolutely going to be at this game, but when— Are you going to go to Bucky's first? Are you going to hit Bucky's <laughs> on the way up there? I, be honest. I might hit it on the way back. I, I, no, you go there on the way and on the way back. That's right, the only correct on. answer. <laughs> my my wife loves their fudge there, so whenever I whenever Who I stop there, oh, oh, I get it, I totally get it. So I got it. I definitely will stop on the way back. We'll see. Uh, we'll see exactly what time I'm heading up there. At. I'll probably still stop there, but uh, <laughs> but North Texas um, last week against UTSA really kind of pulls things together because because there was some concern. Yeah, there was definitely some concern. You know, they get killed by SMU, who just it turns out might be really good. Yep. And then they actually play Cal pretty close. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they have a chance to go win the game in the fourth quarter. And just, I mean, Cal has one of the best defenses in the sports. Uh, so all of a sudden, those two data points don't look that concerning. Right. Then they go and demolish UTSA uh, in a way that you'd hope that they would. Yep. And they've let, UTSA, they they've let UTSA stick around the past couple of years, too. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they went out there and treated them like they were a nobody, right. I think that's a great sign for them. Houston, <laughs> we've talked about this extensively, of course. Um, Derek King and uh, and also a wide receiver not going to be playing for the rest of this season. So what was potentially the battle of, at worst, two of the three best group of five quarterbacks in the country mm-hmm. turns into Mason Fine against Clayton Toon. Now, we're real high on Clayton Toon, yeah. but he's also... He's not Derek King. No, he's not Derek King. Uh. And this line, it was kind of funny to watch. Jumped from like two to seven. Yeah, like two, two and a half to seven. Like in, in like half an hour. Sure. I mean, that, and that's what happens, obviously, when, when news like D.R. King going out happens. But, I, I mean, I think that at this point, I have to pick UNT. Mm-hmm. I think Ish is picking UNT. Uh, I just don't – if Houston's not going to be great on offense, and, and not that they can't be good, but if they're not going to be great on offense – I don't know what major advantage they have in this game. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they, they have big bodies. You know, they have an experienced offensive line. Maybe they can kind of keep Clayton Tune uh, away from pressure. But you're still asking. You've got two pocket passers, Clayton Tune and Mason Fine. Mason mm-hmm. Fine is one of the five best quarterbacks in the country, maybe, five yep. to ten. Uh, one Definitely, you know, probably the best pocket passer in the entire group of five. And your defense has not been good against the pass. No. So where do you win this game if you're Houston? That, that's kind of my concern. Uh, I, I think UNT covers, and I think that – I am curious, though. I, I will say, I am curious to see, is it, a, is it a complete blowout like Houston just gets demoralized, mm-hmm. or is it a back and forth, you know, like Houston just doesn't have the horses right now, they're building something? Because I think we're going to learn a lot about the psyche of this team after two of their players basically say, not this year. Yeah, I I would be curious to know. I would love to be able to walk into the locker room right now because I think that there's there's two ways this locker room goes. Yeah. One is, hey, you know what? We're going to play for us. You know, we're going to get behind our, you know, tune and we're going to do our thing and, you know, everything's good to go. 
Or this could be an actual dumpster fire. This could right. be walking in the locker room where everybody's already talking about where they're going to transfer to, what issues they have. Uh, we're going to stage a walkout. You know, we, we've heard rumors of, I mean, all these different things. Dana Holgerson, as we've talked about, is not an easy guy to play for. No. I mean, he is not. He is one of – he is very much like a Mike Leach in that you're going to be held to a higher standard than most people are going to – you're going to be coached very hard, very brunt, uh, you know, very blunt, um, excuse me. Uh, you're going to get the real truth of what they think. Some guys are okay with that. Some guys are not. And when you have that kind of attrition, when you see your leader go, this isn't for me. Right. Boy, that can that can be awfully right. contagious. So all that being said, I think North Texas is the better team right yeah. now. Uh, if De'Aaron King was playing, De'Aaron King is De'Aaron King. He's special. Yeah. He's very special. I still think North Texas uh, wins this game, and uh, they cover. Great. Let's finish this out with a game in your, your hometown, of course. Yes. Arlington, Texas. So, number 23, Texas A&M. A little bit surprising they're still ranked, but whatever. Versus Arkansas. A&M, a 23.5-point favorite. This game taking place 11 a.m. Saturday at AT&T Stadium. So, Matt, if you're going and visiting this game, if you're an mm-hmm. Arkansas fan, if you're yeah. a Texas A&M fan, what do you need to know about the city of Arlington? Yeah, so, you know, Arlington, Texas has undergone kind of a, a renaissance here in the last couple of years, and, and I'll point you in a couple of different directions. Uh, all the same, all at the same place, though. We now have Texas Live, which is over 200,000 square foot of bars and restaurants and uh, the largest indoor screen in the country that is not in a stadium somewhere. Whew. There's going to be college football games all over the place, great food, great drink specials, all those kind of things. Right next door to that is the new Live by Lowe's, which we just opened up a little over a month ago that, again, has great restaurants, great bars, great scenery, uh, all within walking distance of AT&T Stadium. Make sure you get there early. Yeah. Uh, in the past, I mean, I would tell you that there was really no great reason to come to Arlington early right next to the stadium. Uh, certainly we have a, a great downtown, but now you can get there early, park, and be there all day enjoy friends and family and then walk to the game and then after the game's over with you walk back and you know you you've got the rest of the afternoon to watch college football so uh texas live live by lows make sure you hit them up yeah yeah it's a great little area because you know you got the bars right there you got this at&t not too far away you've got globe life park right there too and obviously mm-hmm. the new uh the new ballpark that's being yeah built come too. see the progress on it we're about 75 76 percent done yeah. with the new ballpark yeah and then obviously you got six flags right over there yeah. too if you it's really gonna want open. to so it's gonna be open let's talk this game so how is texas a&m still ranked is it because they're Texas A&M? It's because they started the season ranked. That's, that's really what it comes down to. Because at this point, we have four data points on Texas A&M. It's them getting outclassed by two top ten teams, which is totally that fine. Happens. Totally that happens. Totally fine. Totally fine. It's them looking fine against Texas State, and it's them beating Lamar. Uh, now, the one thing that I will say is that then you go across the stadium to Arkansas, and their data point is getting beaten by San Jose State. That's a bad, bad loss. That's that's as bad a loss. That's, that's an as, inexcusable loss. Like, like we talk about this Georgia State Tennessee loss, and that's horrific. This might be worse. Yeah. Like San Jose State has not just recently not been very good. They have like one stretch of success ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, my my wife is actually from San Jose, and so we have a lot of uh, people around us who are San Jose State fans. And they were like, oh, we had a football game today? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that's what kind of yeah. stuff you're dealing with at San Jose State. It's just a hard place to coach. And they beat Arkansas. Yes. So 23 and a half points. 
Arkansas covers. Really? And here's the reason why. Now, first off, can I throw some serious data at you? Just so that way I can can sound uh, (laughs) moderately intelligent. Chad Morris is still looking for his first P5 win. Yeah. His 18 wins he does have are all against G5 and FCS schools. Right. And this is both at SMU and Arkansas. Correct. That's bad. Real bad. He's got to be on very, very thin ice. I don't know what the appetite is, you know, for eating a contract, but if I'm Arkansas, and if, certainly if I'm a fan, and, and we have lots of friends who are Arkansas fans, losing to San Jose State is not just losing to San Jose State. It's not just that it's a bad a bad loss. It's a really bad loss. Yeah. Uh, but anytime Arkansas and AM play, it's always a, a funky game. There's always some weirdness that happens. I, I think Arkansas covers. They, I think- they, they, they lose, but – I understand the thought process, and in previous years, I might have thought that too, but this Arkansas team looks that bad, and on top of that, similar with, the, not the same, but similar with the whole Rice thing, right, where mm-hmm. A&M's playing a team that's now below them for the first time this as a Power 5 team this season. Right. I think that they're going to want to come out there and show that what happened against Auburn is not how it's going to be. Now, it could go the other way. Yeah. It, could, it could be... Man, we are demoralized after that Auburn game because Auburn basically went up fourteen three and was like, "We can stop playing football." No, you know it was it was it was I was there. It was a an ugly game, like just a demoralizing game to yeah. watch. So it could go one of two ways, but I think that A and M's going to come out and be motivated because they also know there are only truly on the schedule now that they've already lost two games. There's only a couple more winnable games. Or not just winnable, but like games that they'll be favored in. And I think that you talk about that Arkansas game, you talk about South Carolina, and then all of a sudden, you know, well, at Ole Miss, I think they'll also be favored pretty heavily. You have to win those games mm-hmm. because if you lose any of those games or even don't look good, all of a sudden we're talking about bowl eligibility. Yeah. And that is obviously that is, in year two, not where you want to be. I mean, if we're talking Chad Morris is, is uh, paper thin. Yeah. Are we... Is Jimbo starting it, to feel a little bit of heat no, now? No, I don't think so. I mean so. that contract yeah. saves you. Well, and and that's a lot. the thing, is is I think that he knows that he doesn't have to worry as yet. And um and I mean, I think that he knows that similar to Dana, it's like I have some time to just do what exactly I want to do yeah. and nobody can question me. And the schedule too, everybody knew that it was probably eight and four at the best, and things don't usually go the best. Right. So uh, I, I wouldn't be worried at all about that, but it is going to be a little bit of a damper, and I, th- I am curious to see if it affects recruiting at all. I, I don't know if it'll make a big difference, no. but it'll it'll make something. Um, but yeah, I think A and M wins. I think that they come out motivated, uh, and that wraps it up for us. What did Matt- Ish say? Oh, and Ish Ish does have Texas A and M covering. Okay, he yes. has A and M covering. He has them covering. Man, yeah, we we really are not high on this Arkansas team. Okay, well, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm just thinking it's going to be a crazy game. Sure, sure. Well. Matt, thank you so much as always for joining us. Uh, make sure and head out to the city of Arlington. Again, best stadium in the world, AT&T Stadium. Best amusement park in the state. Uh, probably more than that. I, I haven't been to many other amusement parks <laughs> outside of the state, but I can, pretty good. I can vouch in this state. Uh, and, and make sure and come and check out the progress on the new ballpark. That's Matt, right. thank, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks again to Matt Wilson from the city of Arlington for stopping by and letting us know all the great things to do around AT&T Stadium. If you're heading to Texas A&M versus Arkansas, make sure and check out all the sites, including Texan Live. It's a great place to hang out. 
And like you said, it's got the biggest indoor screen in the world. Who knew? All right, who, who knew? Who knew? <laughs> and you can, of course, check out the progress on uh, the new baseball stadium, which I'm sure that many of you would like to see, including me. Anyway, thanks as always to everybody for listening. You can find all of our work at textfootball.com, but I have to say, this is the last week, the last week that if you become a subscriber today, you will get a copy of our summer magazine, okay? You will still get two magazines, but on October 1st, we are what we call flipping the switch. And what that means is that if you are if you subscribe after October 1st, we're going to send you our winter recruiting edition and then next year's summer magazine, right? If you subscribe before October 1st, you get a copy of our Sam Ellinger edition of the magazine, right? The one with, with Ellinger on the cover, uh, the 2019 summer edition. But if you do it after that, you won't get that edition. So if you want your Sam Ellinger edition, your Texas edition, your uh, 2019 summer magazine, hurry and get it, right? If your kid's name is in it, this is your best chance to get it. If you're, uh, if you know, you have a player on a college team that you want to get a you know their name in the magazine this is the best way to get it this is the quickest way to get it make sure and get on that right away texasfootball.com slash subscribe the other thing the pick'em contest right i've actually done a pretty bad job of reminding people to do this but every week go to texasfootball.com we have a pick'em contest under college then college pick'em right you go and you can make picks for for all of the games this week that we have listed and if you do that and you win, you have the best score in the state, you will be entered in a drawing to win a $20 gift card. And if you have the best season-long score, which right now, we have a four-way tie for first, right? Roy Bass, Ryan Nemec, Todd Robeson, and WT. If you have the best score at the end of the year, we will give you a $200 Visa gift card. And you don't even have to, like, subscribe or anything like this is just for anybody all you have to do is sign up for an account on the website that's it and you can win some free money so why wouldn't you do that anyway as always textfootball.com follow us on facebook facebook.com slash dave campbells uh twitter.com slash dctf uh anything else i don't know i i think that's pretty much it thanks as always for stopping by we'll be at let's see we're, we're gonna be at north texas versus houston this week So if you are there, uh, keep an eye out for us. Say hi if you see us. Uh, Thanks as always for listening, and we will talk to you again on Sunday.